You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to that time of the year where we uh, build up to Christmas. Can you believe it? Just a couple of weeks' time, we'll be celebrating Christmas. It feels like it's come very quickly, at least for me, um, this year. And so uh, we finished off our, our fall teaching series last week, and now we're going to have a a short three-part series that looks at this theme and the Advent theme of light and the darkness, along with the themes that we've been looking through, the Advent, the hope, peace, joy, and the love that Jesus brings. And so I'm going to jump in today at a, a pretty well-known text for those of you that have grown up in church, and it comes from John's Gospel, and it's the first part of John's Gospel, and we're going to read the, fir- uh, the first nine verses, and then we're going to explore this topic of light in the darkness uh, today. So reading from the NIV, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, that's through the Word, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is John the Baptist, not John who's writing this gospel. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so if you're unfamiliar with Scripture, or perhaps you're not a Christian or you stumbled upon this live stream. Uh, what he's talking about there is really Jesus, that Jesus is the incarnate word of God, that he comes in flesh and he was with God from the beginning and he is God and nothing was created without him and he's the light that comes into this world. And so John sets, uh, sets up this beautiful gospel with this profound, theologically rich and deep um, ideas around who this Jesus, this God-man Jesus is. And so we're going to be exploring what it means for Jesus to be light, to be light in the darkness, and to be a light that the darkness can't overcome or understand or even grasp. And so, you know, at this time of year, one of the uh, first indications of um, Christmas season being here, if like it is in your neighborhood, is is lights, right? Lights come on, it's Christmas tree lights, people decorate their houses, here in our city, we have the cavalcade of lights down at Nathan Phillips Square. It's the lighting of the Christmas tree, all these brilliant lights. And it's just really a good feeling when you drive down a street or you drive around and you see these lights uh, at this time of year. And so we love that. We love the decoration and the the uh, detail that some people go into in some homes, that the expense they put out to put all these beautiful lights at this time of year. And it, it seems to have a, 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 a beautiful reflection in that white stuff called snow, which we had a little bit of overnight. It makes the, the cold winter that much better, in my opinion. If it's going to be cold, it better be snowing. Um, and so these lights are important. They're decorative, but they're not just decorative. They're very symbolic, and that's what we're going to jump into a little bit today. And so in our culture, obviously, Christmas time, it's about bright lights. It's about family, and it's about holiday cheer, and certainly those are some great themes through Christmas. But Scripture goes a little bit further, and Scripture says that Christmas is about a light, about this light that's breaking into darkness, our darkness. 
And so the importance of God's light is more obvious uh, in the dark. And so I want to spend a few minutes focusing on the darkness, light in the darkness, and how darkness impacts us. And the first thing is darkness literally impacts us. I mean, imagine a few centuries ago. Imagine you were living in a time when electricity hadn't been invented. You couldn't flick a switch and the light would come on. That you really, your, your life, your rhythm of your day and your work would be shaped largely when the sun comes up. And as winter came on and the days got shorter and nights got longer, your rhythms would have to change. Uh, can you imagine just how, some, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, how cold some of those winters would be without uh, the warmth of things that we have right now, central heating and all those kind of things? Uh, for 30 years, I lived in South Africa, and so Christmas time is right in the middle of summer. And so if you want to drive around and see lights, it's great. You have to wait till about 10, 10 p.m. at night when it's, <laughs> it's, when the sun has just set. And I know some of you are saying that sounds amazing. But I got to tell you, having spent almost 10 years now here in Toronto, this is how you do Christmas. You know, everyone in South Africa is watching Home Alone, all these amazing movies about snow falling, kind of yearning for that. So I know some of you are like, I just want to get out of the cold. I want to get out of this. A sunny Christmas would be great. But I think there is something to even the Advent season and the, the darkness of the Advent season as this anticipation of, 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 of what will change the darkness that we see in our world. Um, but not only literally does, does darkness impact us, um, we talk about mental and emotional darkness. We, we talk, we use things about, um, under a, a dark cloud or that person's got a dark mood today and we stay away from them. A state of mind of darkness. Um, a lot of people at this time of year are affected by sad, seasonal uh, affective disorder. And it's a form of sadness and depression that literally is because of a, a decrease in exposure to sunlight and affects our bodies. And remember when we first came here, we had to get a, a supplement of vitamin D because we just weren't used to having that much less sunlight. And it can affect mood. It can affect mental and emotional state of mind. And taken further, it can, darkness can be a serious mental and emotional enemy to many people. Many people suffer depression. Talk about the darkness. Talk about being enveloped by the darkness. So not only literally does darkness affect us, impact us emotionally and mentally, it impacts us, but circumstances can make us feel dark. You know, if you're married, if you've ever had conflict in a marriage, or maybe parenting, maybe your parents are getting older, or maybe you have a, 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 a child that's making some silly mistakes, or you're, you're concerned for the path that they're taking, it can make you feel dark, or a friendship that's turned sour, or whatever it may be, loneliness. Maybe there's a sense of loneliness uh, in your life that can make your world feel very dark. Sickness, death. Um, trouble at school, work, financial struggles, all these kind of circumstances can make our worlds feel a little less light and a little bit more darker, contributing then to our mental and emotional state. And then if we look at the world around us, we look out at our world and we see just the struggle and the hardship and the suffering and the death that's still prevalent in so many parts of our world, it can make it feel very dark. And so... This is the darkness that we're talking about. But Scripture goes even a step further than all those other things and validates all those things. And it points to a deeper root to our darkness, certainly, and it's a spiritual darkness that affects us personally and cosmically on a broader scale. And so when the Bible speaks about darkness, oftentimes it's speaking about the symbolic nature of darkness towards evil and ignorance. It's life alienated, separated uh, from God, who is the source of life and light. 
And so think about, despite our amazing advances, the invention of electricity, thank you, the invention of the light bulb that make our lives a lot easier, uh, despite all these incredible things that technology and um, mankind and humankind has been able to do, and just it's really incredible we kind of see artificial intelligence and the advancements. Despite all that, the world, our world, your world, it remains dark, right? And so we can't seem to overcome the darkness of evil and suffering our world faces. And it doesn't matter how much we turn to the market, doesn't matter how much we turn to government, doesn't matter how much we turn to technology, and all those things can be great sources of improving our lives. It doesn't matter how much we turn to reason. It can be argued that the more that we look at ourselves to get us out of darkness, the more we perpetuate the darkness. And so a big part of the Christmas message, certainly scripturally a big part of the Christmas message is this, things are really this dark. And I know we want to rush ahead to the light and the, 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 the happy mood that Christmas brings, but the light gets, gets uh, emphasized, the light gets uh, greater when we recognize the darkness. When we recognize not just the darkness out there, but perhaps if we're truly honest, the darkness that sometimes clouds us, sometimes lurks within us. So the Christmas message is things are really this dark. But that's not all the Christmas message is. There's another part, a very important part of the Christmas message, and it is this, that light is coming into the darkness. And so let's now turn our attention to this light that John speaks about. He says this, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness is not overcoming. I love that word shines. Not just the light flickers. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness, for all its scary, scariness, for all the things that we've just listed above, for all its, its power to wield over us, the light, the darkness cannot even overcome that light. So now let's turn to just the symbolism of light. What light really symbolizes, certainly in Scripture. And there's three things that I want to put before you that um, throughout the Old Testament and Judaism, all the way into the New Testament, three things dominant uh, dominate the symbolism of light. And the first thing is life. Uh, light is a symbol of life. Now, in John's Gospel, when he opens up, in the beginning was the word, it, it, it sounds very similar to something else if you're familiar with Scripture. It sounds like how the Bible opens up in Genesis 1. And the Genesis motif is there for a reason in John's Gospel, and it's very obvious. And so Genesis 1, 1 through 4, uh, says this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty darkness. There's that word again. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Calling it, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And so we see the first instance of creation beginning. God creates light. Light is necessary for life. And we know this. If you have plants, uh, you know that certain plants need light. Certain plants need a certain amount of light. You know, if you have indoor plants, even they need a certain amount of light in order for them to have life. Have you ever had that on maybe a cold day and the sun comes through the clouds and you feel the warmth of the sun on your skin? It's just a very life-giving thing sometimes, the sun, especially when you've been under some dark clouds, maybe physically but maybe also emotionally, mentally. Light is necessary for life. But light is also symbolic of truth. Um, we know this, that light reveals and illuminates things. It shows how things really are. Um, you know, we talk about when someone gets an aha moment or an idea or gets clarity on something, we say they have a, 
a light bulb turns on or the lights come on, right? We, we use these phrases in our day-to-day culture, in our vernacular, because light is symbolic of truth, a revealing, a revelation of illumination of something that perhaps you were foggy about before that. It's also why when we've watched scary movies, we immediately turn on all the lights. When we have to maybe go upstairs or into the basement, we turn on the light. Why? Because the darkness, we're not sure what's in the darkness. There's certain things that the darkness kind of conceals. And so the light helps reveal. And so it's why we have a little bit more hesitation walking home at night. Maybe it's a path that you would take without hesitation during the day in the light, but all of a sudden the darkness uh, begins to hide things. And so this is what light does. is it, it reveals and illuminates and shows things how they really are. Look, there isn't any monster under your bed. Look, the light can shine there. But our imaginations run wild when we're in the darkness. And then thirdly, not only is light uh, symbolic of life and truth, but also of goodness and beauty. Light draws our attention to the goodness and beauty of life. Now, natural light does this, right? You think about how sunrises and sunsets are just uh, incredibly moving um, pieces of beauty in our world. We think about how many people uh, go to the northern lights and experience that of just the incredible natural light that um, that points to beauty. Uh, you think about artificial light like decorations and lamps. Um, how they're concrete expressions of light's beauty. You know, light signifies um, the sacredness or the specialness of certain places, certain times, um, and certain occasions. You know, certain places, you think of certainly in the nation of Israel and the history of that, the temple, you'd have the menorah, the seven-stand candle stand, and they would have, and it's only, really didn't have a function except just for the beauty. It was symbolic of the beauty. You think about sometimes if you go on a dinner or you want to make it a little bit more special, what do you do? You have a candlelit dinner. Uh, light somehow adds a sense of beauty to that moment. Think about certain times. You think about what we've just participated in here today, the lighting of Advent candles. Why do we do that? Because it's special. It's sacred. It's symbolic of the goodness and beauty, certainly pointing towards Jesus. Um Many people, to signify the Sabbath, the start of the Sabbath, the 24-hour rest period, they'll light a candle, uh, that being symbol. And then occasions, birthdays, right? Now, I know as we get older, we kind of tend to like not want so much light on our cake, on our cake, we're good, but we celebrate birthdays, we celebrate occasions with lights, with candles, with weddings, we decorate places. And so light speaks not just of life, not just of truth, but of goodness and beauty. And for John, in his gospel, this all points to Jesus. He says this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, speaking about Jesus. And Jesus is a light, the true light, when all other lights fade or dim or outright fail us. He is the true light that was coming into the world. And so coming into the world, he is the true light coming into our darkness to bring life to reveal who God really is, that God is not just some mystic thing out there that other maybe religions would say, but that God embodied, took on human flesh, that we can get to know God as we get to know Jesus, what he's really like, what his character is like, what he, how he treats people, how he interacts with us. And then lastly, how Jesus comes in to overcome the darkness, our darkness, your darkness. 
The darkness cannot overcome it. And so Christmas then is the celebration of this incredibly profound mystery of God coming to us in human form. Um, Dorothy Sayers, a British uh, essayist and novelist, puts it beautifully like this. She says, the incarnation means that for whatever reason God chose to let us fall, to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death, he has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life, the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money, to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and even death. He was born in poverty and suffered infinite pain, all for us, and thought it was well worth his while. And what a beautiful way to, to, to talk about this kind of hard to get your mind around God. It, it just in, in ancient times, even today, like a deity would, is separate from us. There's so much bigger and different to us. And yet, and that is true. But at the same time, God comes to us imminently, walks amongst us, um, displaying his love for us, which then now takes us to the third uh, part is how is our response to this light? John talks about the light, the true light coming into the darkness. What what do we do with that? What should we do that? What does Christmas tell us to do with that? And I want to offer you just three responses that I believe that we need to take seriously uh, if we believe what John is saying that the light, the true light, is coming into the world. Obviously, now has come into the world, and the darkness is not overcoming. The first thing is to receive this light, to receive the true light. Now, John goes on in a few verses uh, after our passage, verses 10 to 13, and says it like this. He, referring to Jesus, was in the world, and then the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. Our darkness blinds us to the truth sometimes. He came to that which was his own, his own creation, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And so light makes life physically possible. And Jesus makes spiritual life possible for us. And so we're to receive this light. And to receive it means we see it as true, that we believe it, we trust it, we embrace it. The second thing is not just to receive that true light, but to now live in the light of his presence. I love what the psalmist says uh, here. He says, For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. You know, sometimes we think that Jesus just came to give us an after afterlife insurance policy. Okay, I've received the light, got my ticket to heaven, whatever that means. Now I just live my life. And it says, no, when we receive the light now, so now we can walk in the presence of God's light, life-giving light, that we can live our lives, our relationships, all aspects of our lives uh, in his light, in his truth, in his life, in his goodness, and in his beauty. And so we're not only just to receive this light, but we're to live now in this light, but to allow it to shine and illuminate and expose and reveal all aspects of our personal life, our inner life, and how we look and interact 
with the world around us. Do you know, you know, the, the age old narrative that's still popular today in movies is boy meets girl. Boy falls in love with girl. Everything changes in boy's world, right? Love does that to us, right? Love, I, if you've ever experienced this, I remember the first time when I began to really fall in love with Chantal, my wife. And it really is true. I felt like colors got richer. Felt like the birds sang a bit more chirpier. What was happening is my experience of, of love shifted the way. Now, the world didn't change much. I'm sure birds were singing just like they were the day before, but something shifted in me. In our darkness, the world out there may still be dark, and we know the tension. And part of the advent of what Sheila was talking about is not just recognizing Jesus' birth. It's our yearning for him to come and finish the job he started. To say to root out all darkness. And that's the promise that one day he will. That one day God's light will be so penetrative. We won't need a sun. His, the glory of God will be sufficient for us to walk in that all the time. But when we experience Jesus, that we can truly have a um, significant life transformation, that the darkness that's in us will be expelled, that life can begin to look different, even though there is still a lot of darkness in our world. That's what love does. That's what Jesus does. So we're to receive, we're to live in, and then lastly, we're to be like John, be a witness, to testify to the light, witness to the light in our dark world. That we get to now participate in not just Jesus coming into the world, but we now get to be continuations of that, to be light in this world on his behalf. And John makes it clear our role and his role, we're not the light, you're not the light, he's the light, but we can witness to and testify to this light. So be a lamp. Is your calling in life to be a lamp. You're not the light. Jesus is the light. Take that pressure off you. He's the source. But we can be lamps pointing to people in their darkness towards the true light, towards the true life, the, true, the truth, and the goodness and beauty that their hearts yearn for, that our hearts do yearn for that. In our world right now, people yearn for our, the darkness of the world out there in the darkness to be changed, to shift. Jesus is the one that's come to do that. Psalm 27 says this, the Lord is not the light and the salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's what it means to be a witness that we've tasted, we've experienced. Light's penetrated our darkness. Sure, it doesn't mean every aspect of your life is whole, right? That's not, that's going to be the journey that you take with the light. But there's something in us that, yeah, the Lord is my light. I've tasted and experienced. He's my salvation. And he can do it for you. And so I would love to pray for you, for us in this time, in the darkness of the world, maybe the darkness of your world right now. And I genuinely believe that Jesus wants to step into our darkness, maybe on a personal, emotional, mental, certainly on a spiritual scale, uh, in us first, and then for us to be the conduits of his light in the world. And so I want to lead us in a prayer and then help you with a response straight after that. And so, Father, we're so thankful that you chose not, chose not to abandon us, but to come to us, the true light that was coming into the world. And that, God, that you're so powerful, that your light shines in the darkness. The darkness doesn't know what to do with that. And so we ask today, God, would you shine your light, your life, your truth, your goodness and beauty, would you shine your light into the darkness of our souls for those that need God, your light today, God, for your light to shine in the darkness of our emotions and our mental state. God, would your, dark, would your light penetrate the darkness of our spiritual um, bankruptcy that we need you, that we cannot fix the world. And God, would you then empower us to be your light, 
to be witnesses to your light, to testify to your light, to be burning lamps, not hidden, but set out to the world that we could point others to the life-giving light that you offer us. And so may this Christmas remind us, may as we enjoy the lights of our Christmas tree, the lights that are on our on our homes, the lights that we see around in our neighborhoods, God, may it be a reminder just of your life, your truth, your goodness, your beauty in the person of Jesus Christ for us, and that we would receive him, live in his light, and be a witness to him in our day, in our time. In this we pray, amen. And so if that is you and you want to take steps, we would love to help you as a church. And uh, on the screen, there's a way, one of the easiest ways is to make use of a Next Steps card and you want to respond to the light of who Jesus is. You know, often Jesus brings us into a fellowship of light. So getting into community is a really important part of that journey of walking in the light. And so we would love to help you in whatever way possible and um, let that this Christmas be a significant time and shift of the light penetrating your darkness, our darkness, and the world around us. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.